Hey friends, welcome back to FieldPod. Today we're sitting down with Ilona Schwartz. You can come and visit her at our open studios this Saturday. She's our current resident and working on a project on seasonal colors in fashion that I'm sure you'll want to visit. Okay, enjoy. My name is Ilona Schwartz, and I am an artist and photographer based in LA. And you are? Yeah, thanks so much for being here and talking with us. I'm Chris Racanello from Field Projects. Yeah. And we're all sitting here in our residency space in the back. So we're also here with Jacob, Red. <laughs> I'm Lisa Schilling. Excellent, excellent. Wait, who are you again? Lisa Schilling. We have a couple guests with us as well. We have Ruth. I'm Ruth J. O'Meara, and I'm an artist in Brooklyn, and I just took my show down that was here at Field Projects. Woohoo! Also with us. I'm Tracy Lay, the current intern at Field Projects. Thank you. So we're here mostly to talk about the residency uh, and your work. So we wanted to know, how did you end up actually coming to specifically this project? But we can start a little more broadly and say, how did you end up making art? Did you go to art school? Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's just the beginning of my residency, so I'm excited to be settling in. But I am originally from Warsaw, from Poland, where I was born and where I grew up. And I have first moved to the U.S. when I was in high school, so I lived in Texas in a small town for a short period of time. And I think, um, I guess coming to art was like, as a teenager, I was interested in visual art, in film, in music. I was trained as a classical pianist, so I thought for a second that maybe I'd have a career in music. Um, But I was really interested in film as well, so I worked on film sets a little bit and photography um, all along. So I guess at a certain point I was like, I just have to decide on something. And I decided to go to School of Visual Arts to study photography. So I went there for my undergrad and I lived in New York for several years. And then I went to get my MFA at Yale, also in photography. Very cool. Um, Jacob also went to Yale, as we have to say every time. Do not um, recommend it still. But I, <laughs> how did you feel about it? How did it? you, yes. No. I'll say it felt, I felt very privileged to be a part of that program. Yale is like an amazing place with just so much to discover, not only art, art school wise. Like, I think my education uh, in undergrad was so strictly photographic and it was very mm. actually technical. Mm-hmm. I took very little classes outside of strictly photography um so i feel like it was my time to discover all the other things so i took so many classes in like philosophy gender studies i took seminars uh, in art history in literature so i think in that sense um yeah that was that was so unique yeah that's cool that you were able to do that Mm -hmm. yeah that you could like go and take classes like to take gender studies classes while pursuing an MFA. Mm-hmm. Thing. You could audit them too. So yes, yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. To. I don't have to like, like fully, mm-hmm. you know, commit so that I still have time for for my studio practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because SVA, I guess, really does have a much more like 
one track, like you're going here for this and that's it? Yes. Mm -hmm. it is, the, I mean, there is just very little other credits that you have to take. Um, so I really just kind of stayed mostly in like the photography program, right. which they offer do amazing classes that kind of cross over with other disciplines. But at the same time, I mean, I'm really grateful for SVA because I've just, I have such technical knowledge um, that like something like that wasn't even offered at Yale. So there is kind right. of a, an assumption that you come into the MFA program already knowing and having some sort of an established vision and practice in photography. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. That does feel like the big uh, educational question you know, if you're going to have something that's more like liberal arts oriented and like take lots of different classes in a diversity of things or do something really, really technical. Um, so it's kind of great that you got to do both. And the project that we were just talking about, first of all, could you tell us a little about it? We're sitting here and looking at some of your photographs. Can you just tell us a little bit about like maybe the previous project? And it's really interesting that you're working with models who look like you. I think we have to talk about that too. Yeah. Um, yes, my previous body of work uh, is called Virgin Soap. And in a lot of my work, that's what I do. I do casting calls for women who look a lot like me. And then I st stage um, sort of bizarre tutorials of sorts. So in the previous work, I was kind of doing this tutorial and making these like pseudo um, instructional photographs of me uh, pouring silicone over this woman's breasts and eventually sort of working on a sculpture of her torso. So in that sense, I was embodying this sort of role of an expert and I was like the sculptor, quote unquote, and, um, and she was my model. And uh, this time around, I'm working with this idea that was first developed in the 80s and 90s and it's called seasonal color analysis or personal color analysis and it's this way of sort of testing uh, which colors are the best for a person's skin tone, uh, hair color, eye color, just what would suit them best around their face. It is, uh, it is kind of based on this idea of reflective color, so whatever is around our face, uh, whatever color is around our face, when light hits it, it gets reflected a little bit um, on, on the skin. And it's actually kind of a term that I deal with, or phenomena that I deal with in photography and making color prints as well. Photographing in sort of, uh, in like uh, colored spaces, um, a lot of the time you get this spill of the color, the reflected, reflected color on someone's face or body on objects. Um, so yeah, so I'm really interested in this and for the project um, that I just just recently started and I'm going to continue over here, I built this um, pseudo color studio, which is all grayscale, not to contaminate the color read and I bring in my models and I sort of test these different um, colors on them and I'm using all these accessories that I've been buying and researching and finding from all, dif all different kinds of women all around the world. So it's either sort of cards that you can put against your face or the model's face or these sort of drapes that you can test or sort of books with um, color um, cards. <laughs> well, that's something I'm, I'm doing more research. It seems like all the books and kind of all the experts that emerged in the 
uh, 80s and 90s were mostly either based in England on, or on the East Coast. And uh, the pattern that I'm seeing is that most um, women of color were kind of put in the category of winter. So there wasn't like sort of, there wasn't like a fall or a spring or a summer uh, kind of color palette offered to women of color. But it does seem like it is changing a little bit. Um, so I am hoping I'm going to find experts in this field that uh, are trying to reverse that history. It feels also in a way like this developed out of like Yvonne culture and like the sort of pyramid schemey like in your house making things but this sort of deviated away from that it's very individual and people are just kind of making these and then people are paying to come to them and like use their color kit that they made or do people kind of make it a more mass marketing thing in terms of like the person who's developing the color kits themselves because you were telling us earlier you've bought you know, people's like color kits from various different places all over the world. So are they mass produced more or are they more like individually fabricated and like? My understanding is that they're more individually made. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the places, even when I was trying to get their color kits, they sort of wouldn't be sold to me because uh -huh. it's for like professionals only and uh -huh. uh, I suppose I haven't taken the course <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have the credentials for that <laughs> I might have some uh, you know a real education color theory though <laughs> but um, so my understanding is that it's more like you know there is a you know there is let's say one expert or another and they are developing their own product around it and you know usually at the end of this sort of color analysis you would be given like a little almost like a little paint swatch with mm -hmm. your colors so that you know next time you go shop for makeup or for right. outfits you kind of know which colors you can mm -hmm. choose that are the most flattering so in, it's sort of taking the stance that it's empowering very much so very much so yes it's very much like um to help to help women you know find themselves in the fashion and beauty industries and to mm -hmm. have some sort of a guide if they're feeling lost or not knowing really what to choose it's somehow like break it down almost like this type of pattern will be better for you this color you know will be better for you this hair hair color this makeup will be you know would suit you best I mean, just from a capitalist point of view, it seems like they should have included every kind of woman in that, right? Absolutely, <laughs> right? yes. But this is also yes. stuff taken from the, like, probably late 70s, early 80s. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it seems very, um, almost like maybe it originated as this kind of, like, do-it-yourself, like, thing among friends or something. Um, I don't know. What about the origins of it? Did it actually start in the 80s? There was like one, one woman originally mm -hmm. who first published first book and mm -hmm. she kind of had a cult following and this book right now, if you're trying to buy it, it's like four or $500 online, you know, so it's like Jeez. very rare. Wow. And like she was the one who was making these sort of intricate collages of, of, of swatches of fabric for each woman she yeah. tested for color. So that was yeah. interesting, yeah. But I think the term itself, the seasonal color analysis comes from uh, a painter. I have a question. Back to your work, you often put yourself into your photographs. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, I guess I was, I was going to make this point. But, uh, yeah, so I, I guess my you know, this uh, idea for doing casting calls for women who look a lot like me mm -hmm. was to kind of really make the work about me so that I could be the subject, the object, and also the beholder of the gaze in my work. So that's, that is really interesting to me. So I think, like, for the first time, I'm really sort of opening this work up to all different kinds of women and... Um, yeah, but I am also invested in this sort of role of the expert and reenacting that. I feel like in a lot of like makeup tutorials, I mean, these days it's like changing a little bit because it's YouTube. So people are applying, you know, stuff to themselves and they don't, I mean, it's more complicated because, you know, now they're being sent all this product. So they have to represent the product to put it, you know, and mm -hmm. make their, like they can, yes, 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 like yes. So it's like you would think day. like it's yeah. completely free as in like, I'm going to show you my makeup routine, but it's like it became. Yeah, like, that's also interesting because it's like shifting and kind of going back to the like expert who's doing the branding mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always like interested looking at like especially these books from the 80s and 90s sort of looking at these experts and you know a lot of them for, for let's say makeup or fashion you know there was all these books in the 90s like what not to wear or all these um kind of tv shows where uh you know like the women like the women almost their bodies are almost like as props you know it's like he just like put his hand over there, you know, to, sh I don't know, he's pulling her skin, he's doing something, something, or yeah, like, yeah. God forbid you wear this skirt and not this one, you know? And I'm also like kind of interested in like how the camera is used in a lot of these shows because there's a lot of these also like success stories mm -hmm. then. And then like later the camera like follows the woman in her own life, you know, in her private life. And it's like, look, her kids saw her and now she looks amazing and she's going to be a better mom. And, you know, she like, yeah, so it's like, it's just all so kind of, yes, yeah. yeah. yeah it's kind of crazy. Who's acting on who is interesting though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you're being really playful with that by using yourself in them. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because um, when we talked earlier, you would say she and like point to yourself in the photograph, <laughs> you know, like you're kind of um, like you, you actually have the distance between mm -hmm. yourself as acting in the photograph mm -hmm. and kind of being yourself out in the world, your real self. And I think that's interesting because sometimes artists kind of have spillover or something and like always see it as themselves, but you really are like creating a character that you're acting out and then like going back to doing everyday things. Or am I or, wrong about or that? Or are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. You know, it's hard to be in pictures. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's really hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to look at yourself and... You know, it's just so painful, I think, like that. But maybe specifically for this, because I oh. kind of upped the idea of the expert and her office and I'm being, you know, dressed really, quote unquote, professionally. You know, mm -hmm. so I feel like maybe even more And my my haircut right now is very kind of. I don't know. I just feel like feel like, like it belongs more in succession or something <laughs> than the art world. <laughs> but but yes, there is some separation just mm -hmm. to get through the day, you know, and still be able to <laughs> talk to my crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's such like a perfectionism to like the desire to even like the entire system that you're playing with, you know. And so I feel like that must also be hard because you're like playing with ideas about like perfectionism finding exactly the right thing but then also like 
you're having to like step back and be really critical of that at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we were also talking about like, there's a kind of humor that you're playing with by it being so serious. Well, I think there is, I think we kind of talked a little bit about absurdity, how absurd all these objects are that have been developed in order to do these color tests, I suppose, analysis. Um, so I think there is something just like inherently funny in those objects, like, you know, the book that you can just uh, put around your neck, you know, the book that has the indentation for the chin or, or, or you know, these cards that essentially look like guillotine, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and also like, yeah, I'm always uh, sort of interested in um, the violence in like all of these sort of beauty procedures and gestures and, uh, you know, tools. Uh, yeah, I, I still want to go back to this idea of the expert because artists are supposed to be experts in a certain sense of their own work mm -hmm. or, or like what they're working on or the sort of parameters that they're working on. And I think there's a little bit of a reflection here of this presentation of somebody who is an expert, a presentation of artwork as the only person who can really be the expert on it is the artist themselves. Like I think there's a kind of fun sort of play in between and like the, the art market and the color market, you know, like mm -hmm. all of these kind of capitalist kind of permeates every aspect of our lives and kind of exploits us every time we sort of think of doing something ourselves to empower ourselves, gets then resold back to us in certain ways um, mm -hmm. in the art world and in, outside the art world. Yeah. But I think there's a fun sort of parallel here that you... Yeah, I really like that. I really like that thought. Um, you know... I was also, like, when I was conceiving of this body of work, I was also thinking, like, to me, it's so uh, sort of inherently about art also, because it's essentially color theory. But then also even thinking about the history of painting, there's, like, the the history of, like, sort of seasons in painting and different schools. So I'm still sort of researching, and obviously I've just started. So I feel like there's way more for me to kind of get from these ideas, too. So speaking of seasons, you're here in New York when um, the seasons are changing, and uh, we're going from winter into spring, and um, what is it that you like to do when you're not here in the studio? Oh, good question. Well, I uh, I haven't been here for too long, but uh, just but you go. Were here before you said. Yes, so yes, you yes, yes. Yes. Places uh, and things you want to revisit. And yes, obviously go see friends and <laughs> go see good. all the art. <laughs> and I also like to go to Broadway. Oh, Broadway, really? Yes, 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 yes. Why? I what like do you like that? about it? I like theater. I guess uh, I went to see Pictures from Home, which is uh, which is about a photographer. But I'm gonna go see um, The Doll's House also with Jessica oh. Chastain. Exciting! Another redhead. Yes, and you know, and it's all like it's called The Doll's House, and she wrote it with someone who wrote um, scenes from a marriage, and I'm sure it's about you know she's from a women's perspective and all that. So it's like all in my. Interesting. It's like checking the boxes. Yes, like you it's know, all like, of, yes, yes. For, it was made for me. <laughs> um, I also was curious about like, you know, do you feel like you have a good balance of like your outside life and then studio practice life? Um, is there like a big separation? Well, I've been pretty much coming here every day, at least for like a couple hours. Mm -hmm. 
I would say, well, I kind of try to, uh, you know, some of my studio mates back in LA, sometimes they joke and like that I'm like a nine to five artist because I kind of really try to keep my, I feel like I have no other structure really in life. So I really try to keep that structure of like, okay, wake up, go to the gym, go to the studio, you that's know, cool. and then do something else. Like, I feel like that's like the two things I have to do in a day. So. But, you know, obviously days in the studio, sometimes they're, you know, like as I'm shooting, they're super long days, but sometimes it can be a little shorter, or, you know. Yeah, what's like one, so we have a lot of, we usually work with younger artists and actually artists of all different ages, but we usually work with people who are sort of not emerging. As, emerging, yeah, as like a kind of catch-all. And just in general, who, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's sort of coming and might be graduating, you know, or might be just like entering the art world now and like doing art could be interesting. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a tough one. But I feel yeah. like one thing you and I actually talked about is just kind of like longevity of the practice and just kind of sticking with it and not, you know, feeling defeated by the world or, yeah, there's always another opportunity that will come people's way, I think. But also something amazing that came up when Tracy came in here with her class, uh, they asked me this question about like how I deal with fear and I feel like maybe that's something that you know we could maybe all kind of talk a little bit more about I feel like the imposter syndrome is so real for you know not for only me but probably everybody like it's such a vulnerable and difficult thing to like you know make a body of work and put it out in the world you know for the critics and call it colleagues to just pick apart everything you know uh so so it is it is it is a difficult process where i feel like the anxiety kind of have to you have to remind yourself all the time it's just not going kind of anywhere you know it is it is just there and it's just yeah it's kind of along for the ride and it's not necessarily that people who do shows don't have it you know it's probably everyone has it to some degree yeah and I think also we, in general, you and I were talking a lot about like, hey, sometimes ideas happen and then you lose them, and then seven years later you come back to them. Um, I have like a book of ideas because when I was in school, I was like, oh my god, mm -hmm. I have so many ideas. <laughs> and um, I had a class too that was like about taking your bad ideas and making them into good ideas. Mm -hmm. And I and I, I still uh, think about that class a lot. Um, but I, the idea also I'm less interested in the commercial art world and so I, I think people can show old work at any time mm -hmm. and it could be in a new context and have new meaning and um, I think like yeah for me yeah. personally I, I think there's like there there should be this um, I don't know this or maybe I should say the fetishization of like of what's new it should be dropped like whatever 75 years ago 100 years ago I really agree with that but unfortunately the the pressure from galleries is like you know something new every every few months for a different art fair or something like that yeah yeah so. fuck off galleries yeah <laughs> we say as we're sitting in our gallery <laughs> but you know actually something else you said i thought for some reason really resonated with me was like you were kind of a little bit like well i'm sort of a nine to five artist and actually like i think making studio part of your routine is also good like 
advice for anyone too. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever that may you be. shouldn't be embarrassed to be a yeah. nine to five. Yeah, you're artist. right. Like, but but for whatever reason, there's all these ideas about who artists are. You know, and sometimes yeah. I joke around being yeah. like, oh yeah, I should be you know drunk and high and sitting here, uh, you know, <laughs> at midnight to five, and then you yeah. know, <laughs> and so on. So like, it just it's yeah. not like that. And that's right. Yeah. That's what I see in the work too, is that you're just you're making this presentation of a of a perfect expert, like perfect expert, which is clearly winking at us while saying it's perfect and being like, I am the expert on color mm-hmm. and therefore I can you know, I can stand dictate. here. I can dictate I can stand behind this model and and show them what they what they are, what they look like mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And I think that's this kind of play that that is in all of the discussion about is an artist. An artist looks like this. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Ruth, Absolutely. you're teaching right now. Like, do you find that you run into that or bump into that concept a lot? The idea of what an art, how how an artist should be, or mm-hmm. like the, those cliched ideas mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that also whatever your practice is, it can be. Again, like I have my studio in my in my apartment, so I can just like pop in there, and it's very integrated in my life. Like I don't feel like I need this like big space to go to. Um, so yeah, to me, I, I think about it a lot. But you like, also teach, so I also teach, and so I have to kind of figure out time to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and my work is very close to craft as well. So to me, it's like oh, I can sit in my living room and maybe do something, which I really like doing. So it's like kind of. There's mindless aspects to it that I really like to just do, like therapeutically. So, yeah. yeah. One of the most important things for me when I graduated from undergrad is that I can make work while I was watching TV. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't do that. That is. That was one <laughs> Some of the people most can. Yeah. Some people can't. Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe to just like as a final sort of wrap up question. Um, what are you excited about? Like either shows or like projects that you're working on or anything like that that's coming up. Um. Well, I'm really excited to continue working on this project for sure. Yeah, and yeah. you know, yeah. And also I think maybe what's exciting about New York that I'll have like a lot of access to is actually quite a lot of fashion. I feel like uh, this work kind of borrows from that editorial language or mm-hmm. that fashion gestures or the fashion districts here I really want to like something about the density almost of the fabrics that I think like I've kind of already created here but I feel like I can with access to what New York has to offer uh, that can be really exciting for me great well cool thank you so much should we feel thank you should we do that oh yeah silent one two three feel Feel (laughs) fun Thank you, thank you.